So anyway. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I guess that's just life in the big city. <laughs> so uh, coming up on the November third, uh, there are a lot of issues that are significant to. Um, oh, so I was talking about ballot uh, ballotpedia.org, b a l l o t p e d i a dot o r g, is an absolutely fabulous website for getting information about candidates, about issues about um, coming up elections in your area and it's specific to you as a as a, uh, a you know a, a part of the electorate so that uh, you are informed I mean it even has a list of judges uh, you know normally the the judges are like you know who knows about this judge and they show up on the, on your ballot and you're like I don't know anything about that judge. You can find out about those judges and you get a list of judges that are going to be on. You get to see your an actual ballot uh, for you. Uh, you. You put in your address and, and it brings up what your ballot is gonna look like and it has information about the judges and so forth. So again, that's Ballotpedia, B-A-L-L-O-T-P-E-D-I-A dot O-R-G, uh, an excellent site. So coming up, um, we're going to start with, uh, I was originally going to start with Missouri, but I'm going to start with Illinois. So Leonard's in, in Illinois. You don't mind if I share that information, right? No. Nope. Very good. That's correct. <laughs> so we're going to start with, with uh, a ballot issue coming up in Illinois. Uh, you want to you wanna present that issue? Sure. It's, uh, it's about a tax hike amendment. And it'll change the Illinois Constitution. Uh, basically, it wants to take the Illinois tax system from a flat tax system to a progressive tax system. And the people that are in favor of it said that Illinois, as we know, Illinois has had budgetary problems for a few years now. Mm -hmm. And they need to raise more money. So, of course, the first thing, you know, of course, it's about taking to the people and getting more money. And the way it is right now with Illinois, everybody, regardless of income level, pays the same amount of tax. Now, when you say the same In amount case, of tax, you mean they say they pay the same percentage of their income towards the same taxes. Percentage of their income towards taxes. That's the best. That's the better way to see it. So a billionaire will pay the same percentage as a millionaire, will pay the same percentage as a pitter, a plumber, or even a poor person that's working two jobs just to try to keep their family at poverty level. Uh, what, the, what they're saying is they're calling it a fair tax because now they want to use this that go after millionaires and billionaires to pay their fair taxes to the system, charge them more than you charge other people. Okay, so now, go ahead. No, I mean, are you are you? Do you feel comfortable that you've explained it so that people understand what the issue is? Because I have a, a couple of questions that I think would help also clarify um, and start the discussion about. Um, the, the difference between a flat tax and a progressive tax. 
That's correct. Uh, yeah, I, I've explained the issue, I believe, to the best of my ability at hand. Okay. And of course, you get people for it and against it. Mm -hmm. So, so, so some people may may um, be familiar with progressive taxation versus flat taxation. And and in our country, we've had that conversation, and we're going to have to, I think, continue to have that conversation. But the progressive tax, um, Missouri is a progressive tax state. So, um, United States. Yeah, the United States is. Um, where is like like Leonard said, if you make more money, you could wind up in a higher tax bracket, and pay more taxes. And the complaint that a lot of Republicans have had was that people on the low end of the tax scale, people who don't make a lot of money, who are poor, uh, wind up not paying any taxes, while rich people um, have a higher tax burden. Right. Right. That, that's been the Republicans argument. Right. And so and so how do you see this this arc this um, issue playing out in in your state? Uh, I just remember when I moved over here a few years ago, I've been here about four, almost four years now. The people been <clears throat> there's a lot of people who've been complaining about they have enough taxes. They don't want any more taxes to out. That the government in Springfield is wasteful. It has no control on government spending. Uh, the law, as it is on the ballot, doesn't make the government spend less, doesn't make them spend more on certain things, such as schools, police, fire, ambulance. It it. Uh, the like the opponents say, it gives the government a blank check. And then what they can do now is they can single out certain classes to get tax increases. And what I say is with the progressive tax, the millionaires and billionaires are going to get out of it. They're going to buy off enough politicians to give them tax shelters that they're going to get out of it. Okay. Uh, and like another aspect to it is in Illinois, retirement income isn't taxed. So pensions, 401ks, social security, that stuff is not taxed on you. Where in Missouri, that stuff is. So um, also they don't, they, uh, okay, so so part of the issue is that they're pushing for a progressive tax structure, and the belief is right. that the progressive tax structure is going to increase the tax base so that the state can then um, have more breathing room in trying to pay its bills. Um, part of the argument has been that so so some people who are against the progressive tax have complained that that the state would if they if they better spent the money that they had they would need a progressive tax in order to increase the tax revenue to deal with um the tax issues correct 
Correct. That's that's a lot of what the argument is going on. Yes. Right. And so, um, so so when so there's there is room for argument or room for conversation about what expenditures the states have taken on as to whether it's wasteful spending or necessary spending. Would you agree? Yes. And what's considered needed and what's considered wasteful depends on who you talk to. <laughs> sure. And uh, people get their own ideas about that. Okay. So, so the issue comes down to if you believe that the state is wastefully spending, then you may vote against this progressive tax, but the state still has an ob obligation to pay its bills. And if you vote against the tax, you could be pushing the state into um, a worse financial situation. If you vote for the tax, uh, it doesn't change what the state spends its funds on, but does give them an opportunity to maybe address the uh, tax base so that they can more readily pay or have, le or have more room to work with in the, their financial situation in order to resolve uh, so that they don't have to cut services in really needed places just to make, uh, just to make, you know, payroll, so to speak. Correct. Uh, so that's, so that's what you have on the basic argument. Besides the people who fight against it, they believe they're being taxed enough. And they say that if you give these politicians more money, they're just going to spend more. You're going to end up in the same place. And then a few years later, they're going to come back for more tax money. Although now what this does, there's a check on their taxation power now. And basically they're running this thing to get voters to approve it. So they have no checks on their power. The politicians in Springfield, the capital of Illinois, just have free reign to raise taxes on whoever and whatever and whatever amount. At least that's the argument. That's the argument the people that are against it are making. So, so, so here's my thought. <clears throat> so government determines the government, what government spends its money on is determined by the people. So they send representatives across the state to Springfield and they vote on what things the government will cover, what things the government will pay for and what things private industry, what is left private industry has to pick up. Um, in the course of that, so, so, um, the state has the same um, forces impacting its um, budgetary budgetary situation as private industry, where you have 
um, uh, retirement accounts that have to be funded. You have raises that have to be made. You have equipment costs that have to be uh, taken care of. And equipment goes up in price. Uh, you have situations where equipment becomes obsolete and you have to replace that equipment. Mm -hmm. So the government has to be able to have the flexibility to adjust its income to meet those obligations. Wouldn't that be correct? That is correct. And that so, is absolutely correct. And so if you don't, if you don't give government uh, the opportunity to make adjustments, now I, I understand um, you have to set spending priorities as well as spending as set priorities as well as uh you know determining uh, revenue um but but they have to be able to do both would would you agree with that to some degree i would agree i would agree with that uh the challenge is like with the federal government some years ago they were finding out that they were spending one, two, three hundred dollars for a monkey wrench that you can go to AutoZone any day of the week and spend four or five dollars for. But these contractors justified it as that's not our specialty. So if we provide it, we have to we have to charge you more. Or there was one I remember a story about a Navy admiral or higher up in the Navy lost his commission because he had a $300 ashtray in his in his thing. So when stories like that come out, that you're wasting taxpayers' money, you know, it, become, it becomes a challenge. And so They're like what you need more money for when you're doing this type of thing, that's wasteful. That's wasteful. Uh, I'm just, you know, looking at both sides, looking at both sides of the eye. Uh, and you, you know, we mentioned earlier what Republicans say, what Democrats say. Re with Republicans, if you spending anything on social programs, we shouldn't be spending those on those, according to them. So they will look at things that you paying more for schools, you paying more to take care of your elderly folks those are social programs those are the ones that should be cut and they should be cut uh you know you uh your funds for disaster relief and pandemic relief and you know we recently had a senator in the u.s senate say well let the states go broke the ones that you know instead of getting more federal relief let them go broke so, and you know, you have people doing that on the state level as well. Uh, I can't comment for sure on Illinois versus, you know, anything, because I haven't been here long enough and haven't studied the issue long enough to make a judgment on Illinois. Now, do I like, I like not having this tax amendment because I have retirement income. And I like it not being taxed all the way. Because if you look at it in our society, we're taxed when we earn income. 
We're taxed if we save income, get interest. Okay, so so okay, so so give me a second to get in. So okay, yeah. So um, so we were talking about you were talking about um, which issues um, some parties in government think are acceptable for taxable um, to for for tax dollars to be spent on and uh, which things some things that are not so like they don't want to spend money on social programs because um, they believe you should pull yourself up by your bootstrap so we don't need social income or social you know to to fund social services uh, we just need to uh, you know push you out of the nest and let you fend for yourself and I, I get all of that. Um, but but there's an, another side to that issue that I think is really interesting. Um, so there are representatives. So so when we talk about the federal budget, and and it's the same. I, there's some level of it in state budgets, where there is a business in my district that mm-hmm. that I want to to provide goods and services to the government. So I lobby for that company because I want to be able to bring that pork home to my district. I want to bring those jobs. I want to bring those services um, to the government so that that funds comes back to my district. And so like you were talking about the, the four, $500 hammer. Well, the four, the five hundred dollar hammer didn't just come out of the clear blue. Some politician lobbied for that company to do that job. So even if they had a, even if they have a, um, you know, the the company's bid on contracts, government contracts, there are representatives for the districts where those companies come from that Mm -hmm. may be working to get that company, um, you know, ensure that that company gets that service. So, so not only are, so, so then we, the, the problem then becomes another representative says, Oh, this is pork spin. I mean, this is horrible. This is a waste of money that we're paying $500 for a hammer. But the $500 hammer was a prep pet project for another representative. And right. so, and so, um, and, and so I think we have, we're having a, a, not a fair debate about tax revenue and tax spending that, well, that, go ahead. No, I'll get ready to say, but these representatives lobbying for these certain companies, that's all a part of it. And like I said, even if you get this progressive tax rate, don't you think those millionaires and billionaires are going to pay off somebody to get politicians in there more favorable to them to rewrite tax code where they don't have to pay as much as, as everybody else do? Okay. I mean, that to me, 
that's going that's going to happen. Okay. So Illinois is never going to realize what they want. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. So we we talked about this a little bit, you know, before. Um, right. And so I I understand you and I have you know a certain amount of knowledge about how tax code works. We, um, our family is a numbers family. Um, yes. You've, you've got your degree in economics. Um, you know, we've got accountants, we've got accounting clerks, we've got money people throughout the family business. Yeah. So, so we understand that aspect of it. And right. yes, so even if you put into place a progressive pro progressive tax revenue stream, if you don't control how that, the implementation of that progressive tax base, you could wind up doing more harm than good because if you put it into place and like, you know, you and I talked, um, millionaires and, and billionaires. I don't know how many billionaires are in, in Illinois. I couldn't imagine yeah, you'd have billions of dollars and want to, you know, live in, in Illinois, but I'm sure right. it's the case. There may be some, but um, you're going to try to influence the implementation of that tax system so that you get out of paying any additional taxes so that um, while you um, you did your your business depends on the roads it depends on the, the trash pickup and things like that and yes and you're going to and 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 you as a um, business person or as a uh, someone who has higher income, want to try to keep more of it because maybe you don't don't feel like it's fair that you pay more even though you're making more but you'll try to implement and i'm not picking any one in particular but you um try to put tax terms that are favorable for even for offsetting this uh progressive tax so um, you go, you've been paying 10% of your earnings in taxes. And with the progressive tax program going into place, you're now going to be in the 18% tax bracket, which means you're going to be paying an additional 8%. Um, you're going to try to, or you may, now I don't want to say that they're absolutely going to, but we, we have seen that happen in the tax code where people start to um, put into place uh, tax breaks and t that, that put them back down to, instead of at 10% where they were before, they're at 8%, you know? So how does, how does uh, someone who makes millions of dollars pay $750 in tax revenue, in, tax, in taxes? Well, what he what what this this particular individual did that they say that the government would waste his money even if he did get more taxes. 
And he forget that, like you said, they have to build roads. They provide schools. They provide police protection. Governments pay for fire protection. Uh, on a federal level, they, they, the FBI, the Department of Justice, all the different agencies that we use, that the government uses, they provide. And uh, and then hey, what they found out was this guy, this guy paying the seven hundred fifty. He keeps saying he pays millions of dollars of taxes, but him nor his cohorts. I'm gonna say I forgot what the word I want to use. Say cohort mm -hmm. who keep going out and talk. When you ask them that question, they never get specific. They'll never tell you where he paid these millions of taxes and how much to pay. He, he refuses to, I mean, the courts rule, but you know, he hasn't uh, released his taxes. Right. So I didn't, He's I didn't really want to get into, I, I was just using him as an example. I didn't really want to, to, to get specific about him. I'm just saying right. as an example, as an example, um, how does someone who's making millions of dollars in revenue hey hey, hey hey warren thanks for joining us man so how hey, does warren. so how does someone making millions of dollars wind up paying 750 dollars, which is less than um you know a whole lot of people even poor folks probably you know get close to paying that much um except for that the system that that people who are making a lot of money find ways to carve out exceptions for them so that they don't have to meet the progressive tax standard, which was put into place to try to, to make the system work for everybody. You know, if you're making all, all the progressive taxes, you know, let me get this out real quick and then you can, all the progressive okay. tax system is designed to do was to ask people who are making much more to contribute more and and so that we all benefit so they're, they're saying you know you have been blessed and and you're buying things just because you have the money or you have a uh, you know put away this huge amount of savings and used it for influence rather than contributed to the system um which is going to help everybody well, the, the issue is you have a government representatives and they get their pet projects and they peddle their influence to sell their influence, sell their influence to write these laws that favor uh, big business and rich folks. And they get tax shelters that me and you don't have access to. And it was the law and the way the law was written, giving them all kinds of legal loopholes to get out of it. And we couldn't, we can't. And so the average American worker has to pay. And then by the time you paid your income tax, federal, state, and local level, uh, county, city, whatever, you pay taxes on what you earn. You pay again, 
You pay taxes on what you save. You pay taxes on what you buy. You get tired of paying taxes. It, 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 it makes you, it can make you, it can drive you to be anti-tax. Now me as a worker, if I had to pay tax and that was okay, I mean, my former profession depended on collecting tax money. But you know, it's my thing is if you collect these taxes, then provide something for it. For it. Let me see the fire protection. Let me see the police protection. Let me see the better schools. Okay, so okay. Here, here's here's the thing that that I see that is in a specific issue. So you agree with, and you mentioned this earlier, you agree with the fire protection, you agree with police, um, but what if they're spending it on, um, what if they're spending it on um, disabled? Having, I would, well, let me, I would let agree me finish, let me, okay. Okay. But there are people who don't, who people who, right. And, and so that's where that argument comes from that um, if, so the concern is, um, is that you don't have to agree with whatever tax, whatever the, the government is spending tax on, but as, as long as you're getting something, then you can address your issues in a productive way and I don't think that we're, we're that we're addressing tax issues in a productive way when we vilify certain taxes as wasteful just because we don't agree with them. Well, I mean, what can you do with people that disagree with any issue? They're gonna they're gonna disagree with, then they're gonna call it all kinds of stuff because they don't agree with it. Uh, and they're gonna, they're gonna, they gotta make it vilify it so that they make it undesirable for a bunch of people to vote on it and vote in favor of it or against it. So the surprise would be for me if an issue came up and you didn't have a for or against side to it. Uh, and it's just, it never, it never fails. Like in Illinois, to, to, to put some of the opposition at beta, lessen the opposition to it, I'd have put some things at uh, an extra 10% of what we take got to be spent in schools, an extra whatever got to be spent on this and be spent on that, some of it. Uh, you just got people that are just against taxes for, for all things. Like I remember the people getting mad at President Obama for saying, well, you rich people, you you got roads that you use. You didn't build that. You got, you know, there's a bunch of things that you use that you didn't build. It was a government somewhere providing that for you uh, that you use. So you're gonna you're gonna have people in favor of it, you're gonna have people against it, no matter what. Uh, like over here, with this 
they're a tax issue, they call it. A lot of uh, family farms and small businesses are against because now the state of Illinois can come back, come at them and say, okay, this year we're having uh, 10 percentage points technically. So business. Okay. So, and so let's, we're going to kind of stuff that's going on. I understand. So we're going to, we're going to try to move on because we want to make sure we get to more stuff. Um, I, we spent okay. a little more on that than, than I had anticipated. Uh, so a couple of issues on the Missouri side, one is term limits. Uh, Missouri Amendment 1 talks about term limits. And uh, you and I had a conversation about, about what what I thought of term limits. And so I'm going to I'm going to ask both of you to, to give me a short. Um, something that you think about term limits and then um, so I'll start. Uh, I am not for term limits. I think we have natural term limits built into the election process. Anyone of you guys want to go next? I agree with you. We already got term limits. It's called the ballot box. If you think somebody's been in there too long, get up and vote them out. What about you, Warren? And that's how you they turn. Well, yeah, like when we talked about it the, the other day, uh, that's the uh, best solution is to vote them out. One of the problems is, is that uh, being that the system is so heavily based on finances, a uh, candidate has to have sufficient finances to overcome a well-heeled, well-seasoned politician that's been in there and has got all of these corporations in his pockets shoveling money to him. So that's the problem. Uh, a lot of people might be, might, uh, want to change, but uh, you got to have the money. That's that's part of the the ticket to uh, getting a candidate in. Is now, bucks. Leonard and I had, had a discussion, as well as you and I have had discussion. Mm -hmm. So you talked about money. Mm -hmm. um, so I can give you two real quick examples of where money wasn't the issue. Mm -hmm. um, Lacey Clay lost to Corey Bush. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's an exception. Um, well, uh, Ocasio-Cortez beat her political opponent who was crushing her with money. Okay. So there, there, there is the opportunity if, if you, if the people want change, um, to implement change, my problem with term limits is if somebody's in there and they're working their tail off and they're getting things done and the right. people love them and they want them back, term limits pushes people out of office also that the people want there. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, but like we discussed earlier, sometimes the problem is, and it's not every single case, is that the longer a man or woman's been there, the it, you know the less they seem to be focused on the original things that got them in office, you know, and power, money, and influence kind of creep in, and and they start going a little sideways on the original uh, campaign promises, you know. Uh, it just seems mm -hmm. to have too much influence coming in. 
uh, once a person gets in office, things seem to go sideways after a few years sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, they need to be voted out, but, you know, once they get in, it's not as easy. So, well, you, oh, go ahead. So I was going to say he was right in. It's usually harder to unseat incumbents. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you have a lot of incumbents that at one time or another get beat. Uh, an example was Eric Cantor, who used to be a Republican darling from Virginia. And under Barack Obama, he was a leader in the House of Representatives. And there came a time that the people said enough and they voted him off. They voted him out. I mean, you, you know, our electorate has to get back to having 80, 90% at least at every election instead of 20 and 30%. And I think what's firing up this electorate this year is just, besides Trump, just all of the vicious things that the Republicans have done the last 10 years or so, and people are finally just starting to say enough, enough. And so many Republican seats are in jeopardy right now because people are, people are turning against them. Okay. So it's, I'm going to, they're just saying enough. Okay. So I'm going to move on to the next issue. We've got uh, okay. about 13 minutes. And I want to try to, uh, I got a, a, quite a bit I want to try to cover. So, so I'm going to ask you to kind of keep your comments short and, and to the point. Um, coming up also in the Missouri uh, Amendment, Missouri Amendment number three, it's called the Redistricting Process and Criteria for Lobbying and Campaign Finance Amendment. Um, a yes vote supports amending the Missouri Constitution to enact the following changes. It eliminates the nonpartisan state demographer and use a bipartisan commission appointed by the governor again for legislative redistricting. It will alter the criteria used to draw district maps. It will change the threshold of lobbyist gifts from $5 to zero and lower the campaign contribution limit for state Senate campaigns from 2,500 to 2,400. A no vote, which opposes the amendment, um, is the, the state's use of nonpartisan. And here's, here's a, a unique difference here. Bipartisan versus nonpartisan. Uh, bipartisan meaning Republicans, Democrat, nonpartisan meaning no political leanings whatsoever. So a no vote, which um, this uh, Article 3 was approved by Missouri voters by 62% back in 2018. So the attempt of this uh, Missouri Amendment number three is to roll back the changes that Missourians voted for two years ago. Uh, I don't know if you guys had any comments that you wanted to, to make about this particular amendment. Are you for it, against it? Do you see, uh, you know, did I mention all of the things that impact this particular uh, had the imp impact on Missouri. So you're saying going from a bipartisan to nonpartisan, or was it the other way around? So in 2018, uh, Missourians said they wanted a nonpartisan 
um, board to draw districts uh, and handle um, lobbyists and, and lobbying finances. In 2018, they said they wanted nonpartisan. Prior to 2018, it was bipartisan. Amendment three wants to go back to bipartisan and undo the changes that the that Missouri voted for in 2018 by 62% of the state. Um, I am I am reticent to mention that there are a lot of you know celebrities that are um, done uh, PSAs to make sure that Missourians voted no for this amendment. Um, the, the idea is that the amendment is supported, is supported by or pushed by a couple of Republicans. And the idea is that, that they wanna undo the changes that Missourians wanted in 2018. Um, so, uh, so the idea is that voting for this amendment is unfavorable to what Missourians voted for in 2018. Okay, so if it passed by 62%, I'm trying to understand what the, the biggest uh, issue was. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like a pretty solid majority of people. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, what went wrong? Well, nothing went wrong. Um, the Republicans are taking another bite at the apple because they didn't like the result in 2018. Well, I remember when they was pushing the 2018, they was it was talking about getting dirt and corruption out of out of the politics, out of the level. See now, one of the things they're arguing is the people are against the amendment that they're trying to get the redistricting back in the hands of the politicians and let the politicians draw the districts instead of this nonpartisan board. No, you got it reversed. If you vote for the amendment, you're going to put it back into the hands of politicians. If you vote right. no on the amendment, um, then you're going to put it in a nonpartisan um, hands. So if you vote right, yes for it, the government, the, the governor will pick who will be on the, the, the redistricting board. Right. The Republicans that are pushing this. Right. They wanted to go back to where the governor appoints and these, these politicians control the redistricting. Correct. And in Missouri, when it comes to statewide politics, the Republicans usually control what's going on. Uh, but you know, it's just, it's just, I, I'm saying, okay, once you're elected, then you do your job, you govern, but you know that now they're trying to control everything about the process and I don't support it. And, and, you know, the will of the people, they voted, but Missouri has a history of the people vote some and then the Republicans don't like it. So in a term or two later, the Republicans try to revote or put it back on the uh, 
put it back on, you know, for the people to elect to overturn it. Yeah. Okay. Anything from you, Warren? And so I can move on. Well, I mean, anytime you things are done uh, in a partisan manner, the partisan in power is going to come out on top and, and the whole purpose is to maintain control. So I think if you get give the parties less power, whatever gives the parties less power and the people more power is the best way to go. <laughs> Very good. All righty. Coming up in four states, they will be voting on marijuana legalization in, in, uh, initiatives. Uh, two states will vote on medical marijuana. Voters in Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota will vote whether to legalize recreational marijuana, and voters in South Dakota and Mississippi will decide on medical marijuana. South Dakota is the first state to vote on both recreational and medical marijuana measures at the exact same time. Anything on that? Make weed legal. <laughs> or or not, uh, don't make it illegal. That's, don't make it illegal. I'm in favor of all four states. And I just believe in this country, we should make marijuana legal. You tax it. And then if you come into the criminal justice system, you can't use it as, well, I was high on marijuana. You can't use it as a way to get off. You're still responsible for whatever you do. Okay. Uh, this country, marijuana was legal at one time. Right. And now they made it illegal. They need to get off the thing. Right. Legalize it. Anything from you, Warren? Any other comments on that one? Well, I'm thinking back on the conversation we had uh, while, uh, what, a couple weeks ago or so when we were talking about addiction and drugs and things. And I think uh, the, le the legality uh, of it is not necessarily the issue. It's the, the cause and the effect and how we deal with it. Like right now, you know, back in the eighties, they were locking up all these black folks who were doing crack and letting coke dealers off pretty much and users off. And so now all of a sudden there's been this shift where folks, uh, you know, get loaded up on fentanyl and, and they got drugs for them to, to help them out. And they, and they don't even seem to be, really be prosecuting them like they did us on the crack in the crack era. So there has been a shift, but uh, why is this? You know, why is all of a sudden now uh, folks doing this fentanyl and things get getting such a break, you know? Okay, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put that one on the I'm gonna put that one on a back burner, and we'll do a show about sentencing on drugs. Um, yeah. So, because I want to, I got a couple more things I want to get to that I think are, are significant for you know other people in other areas. Coming up on the ballot in November for California, California has a, a couple of propositions. One is Proposition Twenty Two. Um, it is about app-based drivers as contractors and labor policies initiative 2020. So Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash are sponsoring a ballot initiative that would define app-based drivers as independent contractors and not employees, as well as enact several labor and wage policies. It is the first time voters will address gig economy policies through a statewide ballot measure. Wow. Any takes on that? 
I, I mean, if there is a point that anything become confusing, I think you, you know, you go through and you clear it up. Uh, I just remember I was watching TV a couple of days ago. And, you know, when sometimes the news, the little news crawlers at the bottom of the TV, I forget where it was, but some judge in court decided that in that jurisdiction, live drivers are employees. And I just think, I just think California is taking a step toward, okay, these are private contractors, which they are, mm -hmm. they are. Well, they can be. I mean, you know, I think I think we're in the process now of def trying to define: um, are are we going to classify these workers as uh, independent contractors, or are we going to uh, classify them as employees? And the issue comes down to um, if they're if they're defined as independent contractors, they are going to be responsible for their retirement, their medical health care, and if they're classified as employees then the company is going to be um, that right. way. And that's going to change the fee structure. So if the company is responsible yeah. for a healthcare and uh, retirement, then it's going to change the fee structure versus um, would you as a, so let me pose this question to you. Would you prefer being an independent contractor and pick your healthcare and pick your retirement fund, or do you want the company to provide you with that kind of thing? Well, the problem with that is they don't make enough money to afford anything. I understand so, that, but would you, do you want to have that choice yourself or do you want the company to provide it for you? The company. Okay. How about you, Leonard? The company or you want to provide it yourself? The company. <laughs> And I am, I am an entrepreneur at heart. I believe in the, right. in the system, and I I don't want the company to tell me what kind of insurance I can have. I don't want the company to tell me what I what kind of four hundred one k I can have. I want to be able to create the market so that four hundred one k companies have to compete for my business, because if they have to compete for my business, they're going to compete against each other. And I'm probably going to get the better deal as long as they're not colluding and they're actually competing. I come out to the better. Okay. But, but technically if, if you're talking about Uber, right? Uber or Lyft. You're talking about Uber or Lyft. And Dash and DoorDash. Go ahead. You, you're working for that company. You're really not an entrepreneur. You're actually working for yourself. You, you can no be working for yourself. But you have no control over your wages or anything. Only sure, you can negotiate. You can negotiate your wages. That's that's if you don't if you don't want to. You can start your own lift. If you don't, you don't. You can you can put put a sign on your car that says I'm uh, um, for hire and run your own business. But it wouldn't be lift. Does it have to be lift? No, but I, well, I thought you were, you talk were per, retaining pertaining to people that work for these companies. If well, you yeah. Start your own company, then you have yeah, you have you can do that. Okay. But I thought you were referring to people that work for these companies. Well, I mean, it's 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 are those people 
are those people classified as contractors or are those people classified as employees? And that's the issue. So right. I, obviously I think we need to, it would be good to, to flush that out a little bit. I'm going to go with this last one. Then we're going to yeah. close it out. We've hit our time limit. Yeah, well, let, yeah, let, let me just say what I think. And I think that there's a misclassification from the way I see it. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, so the last item we're going to bring up is California's Proposition 25 is about replacing cash bail with risk assessments. It's called the Replace cash bail with risk assessments referendum 2020. The measure asked California voters to choose between upholding Senate Bill number 10 and its risk assessment system for determining whether to release detained criminal suspects before their trials or rejecting Senate Bill number 10 and keeping in place the cash bail system. If voters uphold the bill number 10 from 2019, it would make California the first state to end the use of cash bail for all detained suspects awaiting trials. Proposition 25 is one of four statewide veto referendums in the, the county uh, in 2020. Any, any, any quick ideas on cash bail? Get rid of it, keep it? I think it should be, it depends on the, uh, the offense and how much the bail is because typically uh, people that have little no money get caught up in the system for petty offenses that really uh, don't amount to the amount of money that they have to come up with. Now it's more serious situations. I think there may, maybe there should be bail. Okay. Leonard, keep her, keep her, get rid of. Leonard. Hello. All right. Uh, we're gonna close it out. Just, just as y'all were talking, a phone call came for me. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at. I know there was a big problem in Missouri recently. Okay, you're gonna have to about, cut it short. We're 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 way over. Make it short. Give me a give me a. Okay. Keep it well, or get rid of it. I I. Right now, I just I'm I'm gonna stay with the cash bail. But again, it's just it just depends on what offense it is, and I think with the bail system, you do a risk assessment. All right, we're gonna go. I want to thank everybody for joining me this evening. I look forward to being with you next week. Um, we uh, remember tomorrow we have um, Ellen Merriweather. She's gonna talk about her career in St. Louis and car sales, and she's got uh, a pretty unique issue that I think you're going to be interested in. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment, and thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.